Hello friends, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is Grease Alves and tonight I'm super excited to introduce to you guys Alicia Aris. Alicia Aris is a beautiful soul who, um, well her mom and I went to high school together so we've known each other forever. We recently had a our high school reunion and when we were talking about Alicia's story, um, I thought she'd be a great guest for, for this program, Tales of Recovery, Stories of Resilience and Overcoming and Spiritual Growth and just kind of figuring out what the hell we're doing in this planet. Mm-hmm. And so um, Alicia's a musician, artist, and uh, is currently in UCLA, right? Mm-hmm. What yep. are you majoring in there? Uh, currently, sociology. Okay. Could change, but could change. for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, so thank you for... Coming in here and telling us your story. Yeah. You are 19 years old? Just turned 20. Just turned 20. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's so important, so important that someone your age is coming in here to tell your story Mm -hmm. and kind of what you've been through. Yeah. And so I'll let you go ahead and... Kind of just... Go ahead. Start off. Um, Yeah, I just like, first, thank you for having me. Um, Secondly, um, I just think it's a really important topic for people my age because I feel like my age group glorifies drugs the most. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done with that. And I've just, with my experience, I've just noticed a lot of people cling to the trauma-based identity and they shape their whole self based on, you know, their problems and what they're going through. And that was me for so long. And I'll kind of get into that, but I guess when I... I don't know. Do you want me to tell you, like, when I first started, like... Yeah, so okay. basically, I, I probably forgot to tell everyone that you're you're currently in recovery from addiction to alcohol or drugs, it's or... It's just, it's a kind of a spread out. Spread out. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Tell us everything. Okay, let's start from the beginning. Um, I think I started uh, really getting into drinking and, you know, experimenting with drugs um, when I was 13. I think that was the first time I smoked weed. Um, that really wasn't, like, a problem for me other than my mom, you know, not wanting me to smoke weed when I was 13, (laughs) which, I mean, understandable. Um, and then I kind of started getting into, you know, just anything that was, like, around or offered to me. I just was very curious. I think from a young age, I just had the idea that I was gonna try drugs one day. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. That was... It just appealed to me, and no matter how much people told me, oh, don't do drugs, like, you know, they're bad for you, like, I just, I kind of started getting depressed when I was 11, maybe, I think that's when I first started noticing, you know, myself being not myself, and um, uh, high school is when my use kind of increased Um, with a mom like mine, she's very strict, I definitely had to hide it a lot, um... But anytime I wasn't home, you know, I was just doing anything I could. Can I ask you a quick question for those mm-hmm. of us that might have 11-year-old kids? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what did you notice? How did you notice that you weren't yourself? Was it like... I remember um, I first started cutting when I was 11, and I didn't even know why I was doing it. I had never seen anyone self-harm before in that way, and... That's just something I started doing, and I don't know, it's hard to even explain why I did it. It's, I think everyone does it for different reasons, not mm-hmm. everyone, but mm-hmm. people that have done that. Um, but I feel like 
I just, I don't know, can't really pinpoint what it was, you know, my parents divorced, uh, yada yada, mm. and starting a new school, and I just think I had just very early onset depression, and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to deal with that, I wasn't comfortable communicating with people, I was very stubborn, and I just wanted to wallow in my misery, and you know, just, just, that was like, you get comfortable when you're in that, and... Comfortable just, in cutting or in your misery? In your misery. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I think that's just when I noticed it started. Um, and then my therapist actually pointed it out because he had, had seen it and told my mom and my dad were kind he of... He had seen what? Um, my cuts. Oh, your yeah. cuts. Yeah. And um, they were worried, but I don't think they, they knew how to deal with it. Mm. I don't know if... Any parent really knows how to deal with that when you're 11, you know? Right, yeah. And, um... And when you were 11, you were already in the band? You were doing the music yeah, stuff? Yeah, I started that when I was 10. Okay. And that surprisingly actually really helped me, like, doing music and performing okay. with my friends. And that's when I felt more, most myself. And, you know, just singing and making music kind of distracted me from all that. Mm-hmm. But... I just noticed as I got older through my teen years, just my thought patterns were very negative. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a matter of, you know, how, how I was thinking. And my mindset was very different from how it is now. And I just, every choice I made was towards, you know, pain or like just towards something that was not good for me. And I knew that. Mm-hmm. But that was like, not, I don't want to say fun, but that was like exciting to me. Yeah. And... I think you can get comfortable in feeling that that pain sometimes, yeah. you know, because yeah. you don't you don't have the energy to feel much else, you know. Yeah, the brain rewards you for that emotion. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it does, and you know, you're getting the pleasure out of the ego and that pain that you get from it, and but that doesn't really last ever. Yeah, you know, and then you know, sometimes it can go too far and. I just noticed that, you know, it just got worse, and finally I told my mom that I felt like I was depressed. I finally knew what that word was, and I didn't know how to describe my emotions. How old were you when you told your mom this? Fourteen. Okay. And she was like, I know. And I was like, how do you know? And she was like, you never clean your room. And that was like her telltale sign, I guess, and... It was true. My room was so, so messy, and I just never... Not that that's, like, a sign of... Well, it could be, but Mm -hmm. um, I just never wanted to do anything except music. That was, like, the only thing that really helped me, and um, even at that point, it was helping me, but once I started getting too into it, and once I went to college, that's when things really, really got bad, and I stopped doing music altogether for a few years, and... Mm -hmm. Stopped really doing acting and anything that was helping me and just focused on making, like, drugs my life. And I thought that was, like, the cool thing at the time for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I knew. It's it's interesting because I feel like people think, you know, oh, you know, they're so powerless over this, you know, disease and in a way that's true. But I feel like a lot of us know what we're doing and yeah. it's just getting yeah. out of that pattern and those habits and making the choice you know willingly to do so yeah I agree with you on that yeah I definitely always like when I was your age doing all the drugs 
I definitely remember it being a very clear and concise choice that I made. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my body saying, give it to me. You know, I could get the, I'm not saying it doesn't get to that yeah, later. Yeah, of course. But, but in the beginning, it's definitely like. Mm -hmm. The mind is a very powerful thing. And really, you're medicating a, a depression, a pain, yeah. um, a something. We're not yeah. just doing it no, because, oh, funsies. let me be curious. Yeah, no, you know, it's no. definitely something deeper, something deeper darker. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to pinpoint an exact, you know, event for me that happened. Like, I have gone through like a number of things but I don't relate my mental health issues to one particular trauma I just mm -hmm. think that like it was a spiritual change that needed to happen within myself like a just a mm -hmm. genuine shift um and that was a very slow process I feel like but um as soon as I got to college um I had been on meds I think for two years at that point and that my drinking got even worse at that point. And, you know, when you drink on meds, it's just not... Who gave you meds? So you were diagnosed? Uh, yeah, so I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And uh, honestly, I feel like I was, like, just kind of misdirected in my diagnosis a lot. And that made me really frustrated because nothing ever helped me. I was on, like, ten different medications over, like, a span of three years. And... Nothing this was is where you're in high school or you're already starting in 14 to 17. Um, and oh. then I was on, you know, birth control as well. And I believe that that really messes with you yeah. as well. And, um, but just the mix of being on meds and drinking, I would always black out even like mm. a few drinks. <clears throat> I knew that would happen, but that was like fun to me for some reason to just not have to deal with anything. Yeah. And just when it got to that point, I started doing a lot of just really dumb stuff. Um, I started getting into psychedelics a lot um, right after I got out of rehab for the first time. So I didn't really learn all at once. It took me, like, steps in figuring it out. And I would take two steps forward, you know, I would do something good for myself, and then I would not quite be ready yet for that yeah. step and just go back. So mm. it took me, like two times of really well I was in treatment for eight months and in a rehab residential rehab um a mix of hospitalizations um a mix of um two different rehabs uh PHP programs IOP in meetings so explain it as what's PHP Some so uh, PHP know. is a partial hospitalization so okay. that's kind of what you do right after you get out of a residential rehab once you've been there for okay you know, however long uh, you transition out, instead of just going out into the world and trying to figure it out, you go every day to a hospitalization program. Um, and then group therapy. Group, group and therapy and basically everything you do in real rehab, except you don't spend the night there. Okay. And then um, IOP is intensive outpatient program, which is a step down from partial hospitalization mm -hmm. so you only go like nine hours a week at three different times okay so you work on the same stuff but it's kind of like steps down how old were you the first time you went to a rehab i was 17 so that wasn't my first oh. choice um i graduated high school early so when i went to ucla i had maybe been 17 for like five months like i oh, was wow. still like were very young. young yeah and um so that i mean when you go out into the world and you don't really know what you're doing I feel like that can happen and um finally like my behavior just started getting really destructive and um 
I just started like self-harming a lot more and not really caring what happened when I did. And, um, I remember when it, you know, first really happened at school, I was like really embarrassed because I blacked out and woke up and my arms were all, you know, the whole shebang and my roommate saw it and was like, you need to tell your mom. And Mm. that phone call was Mm. just like, I didn't even know what to say, you know, like, guess what? And did you want your mom to know? I felt like I wanted her to know how, why, like how much I was hurting, but I Mm. felt embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed to be in the position I was. And so like, I just felt like inept, like I just wasn't, Mm couldn't function as a Mm. person anymore. I would just show up drunk to class and soak my bed every night from Mm. sweating. And, you know, my roommates even, like, made a deal with me, like, you can't go out until your bed is dry. Mm. And, you know, I would, like, sleep on the floor instead and go out anyway. And it just was, like, not good for a while. And finally, um, I... Got taken in an ambulance from UCLA, I think it was a little over two years ago. It was January of 2016, and then my parents made the decision that I needed to go to rehab. Wasn't happy about it. Um, Were you 18 by then? 17. 17. So they got to choose. Okay. And I was a month away, or two months away from being 18, so that was like the most helpless feeling, and I wanted to be in LA in school and going to shows and doing music and didn't really think about what I was doing until they just stuck me in rehab. And the first time it didn't help at all, to be honest, I feel like kid rehabs, (laughs) like it's just a joke when you, it's (laughs) literally a joke. Your parents like just force you to be there. So you just make more connects when you're there. You just come out with like, Oh, now I have a plug for this (laughs) and cool. Like that's how I left the first time. So that was just a mess. Um, but I met my, my current boyfriend in rehab the first time mm-hmm. and so I feel like that's why I was meant to be there as much right. as it was a joke um I don't know I think it, it was helpful everyone tells you not to date someone when you're in recovery and yeah I think for a lot of people that's really true but well just a little plug here yeah married 20 years really to my 13th step guy Aww. and everyone was like don't 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 I'm like well too late <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's been hard. Yeah. But I see sober people going through it hard. Yeah. It's hard in general. Everybody has to do the work, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not... Yeah. I think when you but, have someone who's motivating you too and has yeah. the same, you know, goal in mind. And I knew that yeah. deep down we wanted to be with each other more than we wanted to do drugs. And oh, okay. at the point Good. where we ended up getting in trouble together, like right when we got out of <clears> rehab, um... We went back to the hospital. That was even worse than the other times. And we ended up getting arrested. And it was just, you know, very traumatizing, yeah. to be honest. And I didn't wake up for, like, I don't remember, like, the next three or four days. Um, wow. I just don't. I didn't remember anything. And I remember my mom telling me, like, when her and my dad visited me at the hospital, they were, like, hugging and crying because they thought they that I was going to be not there mentally mm-hmm. forever and it's so weird that they were even talking because like they just you know don't talk that's not mm-hmm. their dynamic but I think that kind of brought them together in that moment right um and I didn't even care that it was affecting people at that time I didn't even want to see that it was affecting mm-hmm. anyone 
Well, you were so young. I mean, yeah. 17. Yeah, yeah. still. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, when you were, like, during this whole process, like, did you first get drunk, then cut yourself? Did you just cut yourself? At, at that point, <clears throat> every time that I had self-harm to the point of going to the hospital, I was blackout drunk and on Xanax. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Xanax wasn't, like, my drug of choice, but, like, that made me, like, blackout pretty yeah. quick, and that was, like, the goal, so... Basically, not feeling, mm-hmm. but then... Did it hurt when you cut yourself? No, that's the scary part is the night that I really went to... The th- I think it was the third time I went to the hospital with my boyfriend. Um, mm. That I just remember snippets in my head. It was just kind of like a horror movie in my head. We took a bunch of Klonopin and they're, they're benzodiazepines, so they kind of have the same effect as Xanax. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so we took a lot of those, and I didn't even think, you know, I'm going to black out from this. I just right. thought I was, I didn't even think to, you know. You are just self-medicating, I just was whatever. like, whatever, you yeah. know, do some more drugs. What yeah. is the difference now? Um, and we immediately, like, don't even remember the next ten minutes. And um, I just remember posting it on Snapchat. That was, I think that was <laughs> literally... But I know it, it sounds ridiculous, and at this point I've learned to laugh at it, but um, truthfully, like, if anyone's, like, listening to this, sorry if you had to see that Snapchat, but um, literally, um, I, we were so out of it, and I actually cut myself and filmed it, and posted mm. it, and um, it was very, very bad, um, ended up getting, like, 20 stitches in oh, a few wow. areas, and... But, you know, if I didn't post that, you know, somebody no would have known. Seen and we yeah. would have... The scary thing is, is I had... All my inhibitions were let down. I don't even remember making that conscious choice, which is really scary that that's just where my subconscious went when I was under the influence of that. I didn't even make the choice. I just did it. And cut it? Or I just cut myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was the worst time I had ever done it. That's the only time I ever did it where I needed stitches. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I remember, I think it was my roommate or my brother, someone called my mom and was like, you need to look at Alicia's Snapchat. Like, she needs, like, you need to call the cops or something. And mm. my brother got home first, and he was maybe 15 at the time, so he had to see everything that was going on, and he was really scared. and. Mm. Really, he didn't forgive me for a long time, reasonably, you know. Um, but it was really hard, and I remember actually one of the cops that came to my house that night was one of my best friends at the time, and mm-hmm. that was felt really embarrassing for him to be watching, like, everything. And um, it was just bad. We ended up in the hospital again, and then that was when I truly... not I didn't make the decision to not do drugs anymore, at that point, but I knew I needed to do something about my mental health. Mm-hmm. And um, I stopped doing Xanax after that. I did it maybe once after, you know, something bad happened again. And I was like, okay, not going to do that anymore. I stopped really, like, drinking that much. But it really took me until I saw my other friends going through it to realize how I was affecting other people. Like, I saw people just lose their mind and so many times, like, right in front of me, and when you see that look 
in someone's eyes when they're just not there anymore and you feel like they're never going to come back. Like, that was it for me. I was like, I can never, ever do this again. And since, you know, that day, I think that was a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. um, I haven't touched any psychedelics or... I mean, I, truthfully, I smoke weed. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a little different in my case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't done any any drugs since then just scares the shit out of me like yeah i've seen how it affects so many people in that way the mind is so delicate and didn't play with it like that and push those limits or so you don't know what you're dealing with yeah never know you never know what you're getting either how it's going to affect you chemically Mm -mm. so during this whole time were you still like seeing a therapist and taking the anxiety medication and stuff or so yeah i took uh, anxiety medication up until I want to say, when I went to rehab for the last time, that was April of 2016, and I was in treatment from January all the way to August of 2016, Mm -hmm. and right when I got out of treatment, me and my therapist agreed, like, you know, these meds aren't working, and I wanted to do it myself. I was like, honestly, whatever. I don't want to take any more meds. They're not helping. I'd rather say that I did it on my own. Not that, you know, we can all do that. Medication is okay when needed, but... It just wasn't doing anything for me, and mm-hmm. I didn't even wean myself off. Like, I just stopped taking them. Oh, wow. And that was hard. And How know, did that feel in your body? I think, well, one of the last meds I was taking, I was taking Lexapro along with... They just gave me so much at once, which is, like, really hard. I think right. when I decided to get off, I was on Trazodone, Lexapro, um, Abilify and nitrexol, which is like an anti-craving. All of this at uh, 17, once. 16 years old. Yep, 17 all at once. So I felt wow. like so disassociated all the time. I yeah. never felt like present at all. And I was tired of not feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just had to stop. And when I stopped taking Lexapro, I literally felt like withdrawals, like shocks in my body. And really? I was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I've been taking this for like how long? And I'm already having withdrawals. And did it, they tell you that this withdrawal nope. was going to happen? Nope. No. Mm-mm. Just Mm-mm. whatever. Nope. And it was literally like, I felt shocks in my heart and mm. my body. And I was very scared. It gave me even more anxiety. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're someone who forgets to take your meds, like, Usually antidepressants and that stuff like doesn't give you withdrawals and it just, I just felt very not present, not myself for the next few months after getting off of it kind of took some time. What were you doing during this process that you decided I'm not going to take these meds? Like were you going to meetings or were you still going to therapy? Were you dancing, singing? What were you doing to Mm -hmm. assist you, I guess, Mm -hmm. with coming back into your body and... Well, it wasn't till so that was August of 2016, and then I, even though I decided to stop taking meds, that's when I was really heavily into, like, acid. And you took your own meds. I took my own meds, yeah, I was like, those aren't working for me, so I'm going to try to do these ones. Yeah, yeah. Not that, that they helped at all, because they didn't, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, when I saw, you know, people close to me not doing so well, that was, you know maybe early 2017, that's when it shifted for me. It wasn't what I was doing and where it was getting me. It was once I saw my friends, like, not be able to be okay. I was like, wow, that could be me, you know. And that has been me. And I can't deal with seeing my friends and losing my friends to drugs. And 
I just was like, wow, I really have to change something within myself. And at that point, that's when I really felt to shift right after I stopped doing acid. I finally felt it was a little bit hard. I mean, I still feel a little disassociated sometimes, but most, most of the time I feel present and I feel here. And it was only until I started doing real spiritual work within myself that I felt a true change. Um, my dad's friend, who is like basically my uncle growing up, he's a comprehensive energy psychologist. So, Mm -hmm. um, I went to him and he fixed my grids for me and cleared my trauma. Um, and that, I think that session really changed everything for me. Okay. Okay. Tell us about that. It's called comprehensive energy, energy psychology. Yeah. And how long did you see him? How did, Tell us about like that process, because so, we all want to know. Yeah, it's so interesting. I wish more people knew about it. Um, so basically, I mean, it depends who you are, how many grids you need fixed or repaired. and. What do you mean when you say grids? So in the body, we have energy grids, like just like how, you like know. the chakras? Yeah, kind okay. of like chakras, but um, just like an acupuncture, they're targeting like oh, okay, okay. energy in your body. Exactly. So we have basically like energy that's like aligned like grids think of it like that right, right, right. and um basically when you go through trauma those areas in your body can break you know mm-hmm. so i was having a lot of physical pain in oh, okay. very specific areas of my body um and that's how i noticed you know when i'm not doing well i feel it in my body mm-hmm. and i always feel that mental pain manifest into the physical and that's when i know i need to start doing something yeah. and i started having really bad kidney pain and really bad uh, on the right side and really bad chest pain on the left side, very pronounced. And when I went to him, he pointed out that the grids that were broken and were, were in those two spots, which was really odd to me yeah. because How I, did he know? I was just like, and I trust him yeah, because, yeah. you know, he's my uncle. And I just, I was like, at this point I was like, I'll do anything to feel better. Like, I don't even know if I believe what you're doing yet, but just try it and we'll see. And um, basically it's kind of, it's kinesiology. So okay. if you're familiar with that, it's easy to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really understand all of it myself. Yeah. Um, I'm still learning, but, um, so basically he clears the trauma from your body and then he's able to repair the grids. Okay. Um, and so when he was doing that for me, he was like, you know, you can meditate and help me out by like, you know, imagining a white light going through your body or just however you want to meditate, like whatever. Right. And I, that's something that has really helped me too within my recovery is meditation yeah. and yoga. And this is kind of when I started really getting into it. Um, but so he was like, oh, you can meditate. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I started meditating and I just had a lot of weird visuals and like that sounds weird to some people and um, I well it's saw, not it does not sound I know weird you to me. of course <laughs> I know that's why I talked I like talking to you <laughs> and I didn't even know what any of this stuff was because you know I feel like I've always known it but I I had never like sought it outside of like myself so mm-hmm. when this stuff was happening I was a little freaked out I started I saw like a turquoiseous like green blue light like kind of my eyes were closed at this point and mm-hmm. I saw it kind of like right here in between my eyes but like projected in front of me and right. I didn't know what that meant and or what it was I, maybe I'm seeing something like mm-hmm. this is kind of weird but like it felt so surreal and by the time I stopped meditating like I had felt 
so tranquil. I had never mm. felt so peaceful in my life. And I didn't even know why. I didn't even question it. I was just yeah. like, this it is... It works, right? If it I works. was just like, oh my God. And I noticed immediately after that, all my self-destructive patterns out the window. And wow. I just immediately immerse myself into yoga mm-hmm. every day you know I make sure mm-hmm. I do that and meditation and those things that actually feed my spirit right. rather than drain me and when I really started focusing on that it, I feel like just picking a spiritual practice and yeah. sticking with it really helps yeah um that's what I feel like helped me like nothing changed for me until I started diving into that stuff Right. And really facing what I was going through head on. Yeah. So during this process of the comprehensive um, energy psychology mm-hmm. and meditation and yoga, were you still also like kind of talking about, I felt this when I was little, or this is the other pain I felt? Like, were you also like expressing it? I or? was working through everything. Okay. Like, I am such an open person. So okay. by this point, I was just like, I was still having a lot of trouble like, regulating my emotions around certain people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say triggered, but, you know. Well, I think that's just totally normal. Yeah. I don't think that's an addiction or not. Whoever you are, we're triggered because we're sentient beings yeah. and we're humans. So. Yeah. And I felt like that's, you know, I'm still working on that. Like, yeah. you know, who am I around and how do I feel when I'm around these people, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm really trying to surround myself with not better people, but yeah. just people who actually have the same thing in mind high vibes yeah i think of someone who like matches my frequency a little bit and for sure i just really like i stopped hanging out with anyone who was i don't want to say not worth my time but not worth my time like we have literally this much time in our day and when i realized i was wasting it on people who were draining me and mooching off me and didn't even care about friendship it was just shallow and yeah I just was like, this isn't serving me anymore. You know, I can love these people, but from a distance, like, I just can't be around it. And I'm still learning that. I feel like that process never ends because I'm a lover. I love everyone. I want to, (laughs) like, hang out with anyone, you know? And for me to, like, separate myself and actually, like, you can't hang out with that person. Like, they're not good for you. I'm like, no, but they could be good. They're so nice. And, like, they have some potential. I'm like, no, Alicia, stop. (laughs) I just have to remind myself a lot. Well, that's a good... I mean, the level of awareness of someone your age to even be able to notice that and say, I'm going to protect my energy Mm -hmm. regardless of the fact of wanting Mm -hmm. to connect and love and this because I have... Well, clearly you've had this experience of... A lot. <laughs> a lot, and also the experience of learning how to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You have to. I think I realized, you know, no one was going to do it for me. And, you know, I always heard, like, you have to want it yourself. And I <laughs> don't really, I didn't realize how true that was until yeah. I, you know, started seeing people around me go through it. And I'm, like, trying to help them. And, you know, I've been through it, too. Like, you can get better. Like, you can be okay. And... If they don't want it, it's not yeah. happening. You have to have at least, like, one ounce of, you know, willfulness. Motivation. Yeah, yeah. to just get through it. And yeah. I knew, even when I was doing bad stuff, I knew that I wanted more. Mm-hmm. Deep down, mm-hmm. I wanted more. Yeah. yeah. See, that's so interesting to me because I think, um, I mean, in my experience, 
and some other friends that I've spoken to, it's like you always know mm-hmm. since you're very, very young, like this yeah. is beautiful. This life is so beautiful and so much love and so much. Be- and then, you know, mm-hmm. things happen, gets in, the way. gets in the way. And even us, you know, using and abusing. And yeah, there's blackouts here and there, mm-hmm. but the whole time you just are, I felt like like this, mm. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a sorrowful, distraught of, I know that yes. there's morbid. How, how can do I, I get, get out of it? Yes. Right? Yes. Literally, yes. And I, mm. I exactly, you, you said it, yeah. I don't know. I felt like I was making choices towards, you know, stuff that was bad for me, but I, I knew it. I knew what I was doing, and I deep down wanted more, but I didn't feel like I deserve it, deserved it at that yeah. point. It's just a lot of, you get caught in the self-sabotage and the self-loathing, and mm-hmm. I'm a victim because of this. And mm-hmm. I think when you really step out of your victimhood and realize, you know, a lot of this stuff is happening to me because of me. Mm-hmm. It's easy... I feel like to blame stuff on your surroundings or why this is that way. And that's true. But I mean, I feel like we have agency as human beings. Like we're not completely powerless over our addictions. Like it's a matter of breaking those habits. And I don't know. I feel like people give less credit to themselves than they deserve. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of power as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Um, like the warrior spirit, like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so then, the in speaking of the process of recovery, um, I want this to be helpful for mm-hmm. for other girls, yeah. for other guys too, if they're yeah. listening, um, and for parents too. Yeah, from a parent perspective. Yeah, right. A lot of parents kind of like, oh well, let's not talk about it now. She's good, and we're all. In. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you're. Because I know mm-hmm. it's very important to have a good support system. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. be as warrior as you want, but it's you need a foundation. You need a you need a foundation, and you need somebody to kind of be like, "Yes, I'm I'm backing you up." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't no, do yeah. it without that, but but you it, need you can't do anything completely alone. We right. don't nothing exists by itself, and mm-hmm. I feel like the attitude that I can do this alone that's really I feel like dangerous in any type of recovery because yeah yeah, you have power but like so does you know so do the people around you like you have to have a family when you're going through that not family by blood but like have your people that care for you you know Mm -hmm. um I feel like parents they don't want to talk about it because I don't know if they don't know how to deal with it or they're just uncomfortable but there's a lot of shame too like a lot of blaming yeah it's really important to have those conversations and like don't make it about yourself. It's not like what I do wrong. Like, yeah, in a way it could be, but like I can name a list of things that my parents did that bothered me and made me this way. But like, I don't know. I, I knew what I was doing Mm. and I was choosing to be affected in those ways. I didn't realize that at that time, but you know, it's easy to blame other people. And Mm. I just feel like having those difficult conversations and stepping outside of, okay, it's maybe not be me as a parent. My kid might just want to make their own decisions and they are their own person in a lot of ways. And I don't blame like my use or like what's happened to me on like the way I was raised. Like definitely like there are things that have affected me and you know how I live, but I just think it's not 
it's not like the parents' fault, really. I mean, did you it hear that, be. parents? It's did you not hear your that? fault. I mean, it could be unless you're a <laughs> shitty parent, but like most times, it's not your fault. Like yeah. people are gonna do what they're yeah. gonna do. Like uh, that's why it worries me having a kid now. Like I always think about like, damn, my mom's right. Like you just don't know. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But the important part is. To not be afraid to talk about it mm-hmm. with your kids, mm-hmm. with your parents. Yeah. Um, not make it something like taboo or, mm-hmm. oh, let's not talk about it now. She's okay. To be able to communicate, like, this is the pain that I was yeah. feeling. Yeah. And it's my pain. Yeah. Right? Communication yeah. is so important. I always feel that, like, my biggest pet peeve is when people can't communicate. Yeah. And that's why I'm so open and honest because I'd rather just lay it out on the table and, like, let's solve it now. Like we know what's going on. Like, yeah. let's get through this. And I think I made it easy for my parents in that way. Like they never had to guess how I was feeling. Like I was never like, Oh, I'm like, I'm fine. You know, and have my attitude. I was always like, no, I'm fucking really sad right now. Like I cannot do life and I don't feel like doing anything. And you know, I think that worried them, but they at least knew how I was feeling. But like, yeah. it's so important for parents to communicate. Like, hey, you're normal for feeling this way. Like, you're not... There's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know, everyone has problems. And I feel like people hide their problems, and it's so easy to do that, you know, through social media. And, you know, just people try to look their best selves all the time, but everyone's going through something. Yeah. And not being afraid to talk about it and not being embarrassed. Like, you just can't be embarrassed. And that's so hard to say, but... Well, the thing is, the shame is like this huge, like, mm-hmm. it's like this communist Berlin wall over mm-hmm. everybody, you know, and you just said something that's so important, like, you know, as a parent, you see your kid going through this, it's okay, you mm-hmm. are not crazy, you're, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you're still good, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're going to go through this together versus like, get your act together, mm-hmm. you know, Getting get angry. dressed, come on now and yeah. go do, perform in excellency in mm-hmm. school, yeah. don't make me look bad, so that's, yeah. that's, I think is important to, yeah. for us parents or for even the companions and the friends of others yeah. that are going through this, to just be aware of yeah. like, come on man. And come at it with kindness too, like as yeah. much as you want whoever it is to change, like, it's going to be up to them, I feel like. And all you can do is love people from a distance and help them. And if they're not making the decision to to change, like, all you can do is be kind and hope that they will figure it out, you know? Yeah. I just feel like addressing it with, like, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, like... That's key right everyone there. Everyone thinks there's something wrong with them. Like, yeah. even if you do have a diagnosis, like, that's not you. You're not your mm-hmm. your diagnosis, you know? And I feel like that's something I've really tried to stress to myself is, honestly, I don't I don't need to be on pills. Like, you know, some, like I said, some people might, might help need them. it, yeah. For me, I didn't need to be on pills. I didn't felt like, I didn't feel like my diagnosis defined who I was. As much as it was ruling my life. Mm-hmm still my choice is like I don't want that label and Mm. I feel like a lot of people the addict thing and alcoholic whatever their label is you know yeah it's easy to make it not an excuse but you know I'm powerless Mm. we're not powerless I don't feel like we're completely powerless yeah and I just was tired of ascribing to that label of I'm depressed or I'm this I'm that I can get away with this and no we can't Mm -hmm. we can't do that Mm mm-hmm what was it? So the shift, what was the shift? Was it, I think you kind of already touched on that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
boom, boom, the police comes and you kind of became aware of like, oh, this is kind of huge and now this yeah. stuff is on Snapchat. My brother's here having to deal mm-hmm. with this and yeah. the police. That's kind of where I you... I feel like it came in in stages. Mm. I noticed things That's key. That's key. Stages. It comes in stages. Yeah. And also parents, you know, when you see your kids like getting better in like some areas or, or friends, whoever listening, yeah. um, you know, give praise for those little steps of progress. Right. It's so big and like... For someone to even get out of bed in the morning when right. you have something going on is like that's an accomplishment. Like mm-hmm. you chose to do life today. Like oh yeah, you know, like we need to give ourselves credit for the small things that we do because it's not small, you know, and just really rewarding ourselves and not being so hard on ourselves. Like I feel mm-hmm. like even writing a to do list and you know making your bed like that's a task yeah. and that's something yeah. you did that day. Like, yeah. but I feel like it really came in stages for me. I just. I felt like when I stopped taking meds, that was, like, the first stage. Like, all right, I went to do something with my mental health, and this isn't working. So tried to do acid, didn't work, did that too much, kind of started <laughs> feeling a little weird. And I was like, okay, this isn't working. And I, you know, had an experience where someone I knew just completely reacted really bad to what we were taking and... When you're on acid experiencing something like that, it makes everything worse. And intense. I was so scared, like, just scared out of my mind. And that was the shift for me when I was like, okay, I still really like weed. And, you know, some people can't even handle that. Um, but at this point, I did not want to touch any psychedelics or anything. Right. Um I wasn't really getting any pleasure from drinking either, right. and I feel like my recovery story is a little different because, you know, I'm not tradi- a traditional, like, sober person. Um, but you know what? And that's another one. This podcast is not about a traditional sober person. This yeah. podcast is about stories of resilience, overcoming recovery, yeah. whatever your yeah. path is. Yeah. That's your path, and it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You. Yeah. I agree. And I think, you know, now I definitely... I don't even really drink that much. I know everyone says that, but, like, maybe, like, once every, like, two, three months, I'll have a drink. And when I drink, it's no more than a drink or two. And But you've been doing the internal work, right? Internal. I mean, you have to do the internal work. It's not just the substance stuff. It's yeah. why you're doing it. What's leading you? What are you looking for out of doing those things? You right. know, what are you trying to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And when I realized that I was working on that, you know, I, of course, make sure, you know, how am I feeling right now? Can I, am I even in a place where I can drink something? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm kind of feeling upset or something, I won't even drink anything. But I'm still going through the process of, like, yeah. you know, is is drinking getting in the way of my spiritual, spiritual work? Even yeah. if it's only once every three months. I don't like how I feel lately, you know, when I when I drink. Even though it's just one drink, I don't like knowing that I did that yeah. even though it's nothing bad is happening yeah. Yeah. it's the internal like okay I don't does really this align this. with me feeling connected to my spirit exactly and moving forward mm-hmm. in my purpose and health yeah. and, and I don't feel like completely aligned when I'm drinking anything even if it's just a beer you know right. and that's <laughs> something I'm kind of working working out but luckily I feel like it's not a problem you know I've yeah. my shit under control Mm-hmm. I have been sober from 
you know, any hard drugs or psychedelics for over a year now. I feel yeah. like that's, like, a good amount of time under my belt. And yeah. I don't even have any desire to do it. And I feel like just kicking that desire and letting go of the pleasures you get out of doing drugs is just what's key. Like, I just started thinking, like, what it, what do I really want out of doing this? And I just wanted to feel connected and feel yeah. something and feel alive and... That's when it really, of course, I look back on that stuff and, like, what was I thinking? But I, like, feel bad for who I was at that point because I just wanted, you know, to feel connected with something and I wasn't feeling it in my daily life. But that's, that's huge because, I mean, I'm blown away by the level of awareness that you have for a 20-year-old. This is amazing. Um, But I do think that it's um, important to notice Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted to feel connected. I wanted to feel alive. I wanted to feel... Because I think we're so dumbed down Mm -hmm. by society in general, and we have so much, Mm -hmm. and the speed of things. And then alongside pain, whatever, whatever's Mm -hmm. happening in your life, and then, well, here's a good outlet. Yeah. Let me feel. Mm -hmm. Versus the true deep work that... I mean, yoga's hard. It is. Meditation is... Takes some work. You have to work through all those things. You have to, really. It's a practice that... Isn't easy, but um, it feels so good even when you're doing the hard work. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. It feels like you're yeah. getting somewhere ish. Well, I mean, yeah. you're working out. I think um, I'm not really. I don't know how to get all scientific about it, but I do think there's something in your brain that connects mm-hmm. even deeper than when you're doing a drug. Yeah, you I know? feel literally we like can do that as humans. I I totally believe that, and I kind of want to bring up too like when I first started really doing yoga like I would feel high when I came out of class and like I was like okay didn't smoke weed today (laughs) why do I feel high right now and like it was legit like I felt like high on life it sounds so cheesy but like that serene calm feeling that you just nothing feels you know everything is out of love and you just feel that love right when you come out or right when you're done practicing and Nothing bad can shift that within you for as long as that lasts, right, you know, right. but... You gotta go back the you next You gotta, gotta go back, yeah, that's the key. You have to yeah. stick with that practice, and, like, I noticed, you know, if I didn't do practice yoga for two days, I noticed, like, I was more irritable, or this mm-hmm. or that, and I'm like, okay, like, I really need to get on this, because this is what's helping me, yeah. and it felt good when I was doing it, and... You know, especially meditating, too. Like, digging deeper into those parts of yourself. And, like, not just that, but, like, letting go mm-hmm. of what's around you. Like, in general. Like, just to sit and not have to connect to... It's kind of contradicting. But not have to attach to anything. Yeah. Um, well, that's really what meditation is. Is you sitting yeah. and you're just kind of observing. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, mindful awareness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mindful yeah. awareness. Yeah. This is so cool. I know. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. This is really fun. This is like my kind of convo. I feel yeah. like most people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I just want to talk about the, you know, Healing. life and the embodiment. You know, I have a friend that calls it embodiment, which is like what happens in yoga, mind, body, spirit connects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we really take for granted the wonder of our body mm-hmm. and the way that we're able to Mm-hmm. Just you just said it like I walked out of there and I was connected to love and this and that. things that we look for in drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and shopping and 
We can find Fortnite. that in other things. <laughs> right? Yeah. I wish I could, like, scream at the top of my lungs to everyone. I'm like, not that, like, you know, some people know what they're doing, you know, but I'm just like, you don't need to do that to feel what you're trying to feel. Because like, when I see people are struggling and mm-hmm. then doing it. Um, and most people don't do those drugs unless they're struggling. Like, there has yeah. to be something. You don't want to step out of your mind that much if you're, unless you're not happy being right. there. You know, and I just, you don't need it. Like, I feel so fulfilled when I do these practices. Even in my my daily life, when I'm just present, Mm -hmm. I feel more connected than when I ever felt, like, my best trips on acid or whatever. Like, it doesn't even compare. I laugh at that now. Like, that's just, it was never what I thought it was, you know. And I stopped enjoying it towards the end. I I was like, what am I doing? It stops working. Stopped working. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, I remember I started microdosing, thinking that would help me feel yeah. happy, and yeah. you know, just doing that every day. And I was like, God, what the what the heck am yeah. I doing right now? Like, I'm still like, yeah, yeah, no. And I think just really surrendering to healing, and just surrendering to healing. Yeah, being willing to try anything to get yourself into the right place, and you know surrendering the the eye like you don't need to to do something as like an eye as you know an individual like we all need to do stuff together and and help each other because you know one person is only like you can't do it alone I do think it's a good idea for you to be screaming it out of your lungs. I there's do. Another way, there's another way. <laughs> you know, especially someone that has a voice like you and. Um, your age, you'd be surprised how many people mm-hmm. just listen to words that say, oh, it's possible. I can mm-hmm. do this too. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, there is a, somebody else understands what mm-hmm. I'm going through. Yeah. Oh, she also is trying, you know, was trying to escape from a certain reality. Yeah. And um, I get it. That when I see people doing that stuff, like, I feel like a lot of people feel the need to judge and I just feel so sad. Like, I'm... I know how you feel right now, you yeah. know, and like it's such a shitty place to be in, and I wish I could just help everyone, you know. Yeah. But it's so hard. People have to want it themselves, but it's possible. I feel like for yeah. everyone, there's a small amount of it's possible, even in like the worst yeah. cases, you know. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, I have friends. Ooh, so many people that yeah. have. Yeah. I mean, have completely trans. Form their lives mm-hmm. because of a pursuit of healing. Yeah. You know, a pursuit yeah. for wellness. However you do it, whether you're in meetings or yoga mm-hmm. or meditation yeah. or just, um, um, what is it now? Because now I want to go to the comprehensive energy yeah, psychology. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I feel like it's, yeah. even in daily life, if you're not going through addiction, like, you could still recover from a life. Like, yeah. there's so much that I feel like people don't even question because we're conditioned to think a certain way. And yes. We're not even realizing, oh, I could be fulfilled in this aspect of my life, and I don't even know that I'm missing out on that because I'm settling for, you know, spending my time working so I can make this amount of money. But, like, what, how is that making you feel? Yeah. In this one precious life that we have. Yeah. And you're stuck because you've gotten these social domestication things. Yeah. It's so silly. I think at this point, like, it's a little hard for me to stay connected to, like, you know, what I have to do socially to, like, stay afloat because I think it's so silly. Mm -hmm. And 
I kind of have to like retrain myself to like, okay, you have to go to school today. You have to do your homework. You have to do well. You have to go to work. You can't just like enjoy life all the time. Like you can, but you have to pay your dues. But like finding those ways to do it in a way that doesn't drain you. Yeah. No, we don't have to like do things a certain way because making sure you have the time to fill up before you go out and pour out yeah you know, exactly you sure can't that. pour from an empty cup yeah so so yeah. you're still in school how many more years do you have left um i think a year and a half left okay. it could vary are you um, back into music uh yeah i'm working yeah. on my album right now and that is like the most therapeutic thing ever of and course, it's so yeah. fun and um I think that's the really interesting thing, though, is now that I'm doing music, I'm having to find ways to be comfortable in that part of myself. Mm. And I've done the work in other areas, and now that I'm actually, like, aligning myself with my passion and my purpose again, learning how to be comfortable within that space instead of, you know, doubting myself, like... You know, sometimes I'll be like, you know, do I even have it in me to write, like, a good song today? Yeah. Like, what if I never write a good song again? <laughs> and and then I go in there and I surprise myself. I'm like, damn, like, yeah. I could do that. Like, every time yeah. I doubt myself, I go in there and I do it anyway. So, like, yeah. what's the point of, you know, letting it yeah. get there? But it's hard, you know. You constantly have to retrain your mind. Yeah, for sure. In everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, the mind is like a protect protection mechanism yeah it's like uh, I have this beautiful friend of mine who um, taught me to say like when my mind is going no you can't what are you thinking now to just say namaste mind Mm -hmm. thank you for trying to protect me but Let's just do this anyway. It helps. It really does. Like, people might think I'm weird, but I, like, legit talk to myself. Like, if I, like, hear myself having negative thoughts, I'm like, Alicia, Mm -hmm. stop right now. Like, this isn't helping you. And, like, saying that out loud, I'm like, all right. Like, you know, I just have to listen to myself since I said it out loud. And you really just have to be that friend to yourself that, you know, you want other people to be. That's, yeah. 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 And I feel like, you know... You know, being connected to other people around you, but, like, you know, being okay with being alone and how you feel when you're alone and, you know, there's just a whole bunch that goes into healing and recovery yeah. because yeah. I have, like, 10 hours of conversation. Well, you'll have to come back. Yeah. I'll have to do this again. Yeah. When is your album coming out? July or August. I don't want to put a date <gasps> on This it. year already? Yes, oh, this good. year. Yeah. Good, good. Like, a few songs in, but I don't know. It depends how That's fast fun. I do it, but That's it's so, so fun. fun. Yeah. Creating and just, um, yeah, yeah, just putting your your medicine yeah. out into the world. Right? And I think too, like, just going through all this help has helped me so much. And I'm so glad I didn't create music when I was going through that because it would have been really <laughs> negative. And now, like, I'm so aware of like what I put out there and like. Mm what type of energy I'm releasing into the world with my music and my art. And, you know, I want to create, you know, honest work. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be positive all the time. But I don't want to be negative either. But I just want to be truthful and just being conscious of what I'm putting out. Because I feel like, you know, it's interesting because going through recovery... um, I noticed I stopped liking music, too, that was negative. Like, this is a funny example, but I used to listen to Suicide Boys all the time. It's this, like, rap duo. And 
I, like, loved them, especially, like, when I was going through, like, all that stuff, and, like, now I hear their music, and I'm, like, a bit repulsed, because it's mm. so dark and heavy, and, like, n- no offense, Suicide Boys, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I respect yeah. you, but yeah. I just, you know, you realize... Well, your bad space yeah. that can take you down the... Yeah, and once you're so vulnerable from doing the work of recovery, like, you're vulnerable to everything around you, and, like, yeah. even, you know, what am I getting out of this music I'm listening to, this TV yeah. I'm watching, like, what is it doing for my body and for me? Yeah. And being aware of those little things that affect you, because all of that affects you. Yeah. You know, everything you put into your mind, it's it's there, you know. Yeah. Being conscious of what I spend my energy on. Yeah, I really appreciate your sense of responsibility on that, and what you put out there, and the honesty in the music, and, um, yeah, even just speaking about this awareness. We all need that awareness. Yeah. You know, I wish we, like, yeah, it's there. We just need to tap in. Yeah. yeah. And spread the love. Spread yeah. the word. That's like so you're important. Doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Yeah, spreading love. Yeah. So I feel like that's what we just, yeah. That's what we're life's doing. Life's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you so and, much for having um, me. And telling us your story. Thank we can't you. wait till your album is out and we can hear it. Yes, I can't and, wait as well. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, hopefully you can come back because I really, um, yeah. it's just so necessary. The work yeah. you're doing yeah. and speaking these things is just necessary work as, yeah. as we all heal. We need to start the conversations sure, more the and this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. 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 So thanks. Thank you. Thank you everybody for thanks, listening. Um, this is Tales of Recovery and we'll see you next time. See ya.